The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the exciting world of XL Esports, plus a Native American tribe who has had their land returned to them after 350 years. The top scientist who caused a big stir with a tiny bit of sausage, and a group of spiders that have been renamed after David Bowie. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Last Friday, August 5th, ESPN held their 6th annual 24-hour-long ESPN 8, The Ocho Takeover. Inspired by the 2004 Vince Vaughn movie Dodgeball, in which the big tournament was broadcast on the then-fictional channel ESPN 8, The Ocho, in 2017, ESPN actually debuted a day in which one of their channels rebrands as The Ocho and airs 24 hours worth of obscure sports. Things like dodgeball, as well as pickleball, roller derby, air hockey, quad ball, and this year, XL Esports. XL as in Microsoft Excel. Spreadsheets. People competing to have to complete tasks within Microsoft Excel as efficiently and cleverly as possible. Any Excel power users listening will know that there's a whole world beyond the simple formulas us lay people use. There are thousands of keyboard shortcuts and endless models that can be created. This year's All-Star Battle, hosted by the Financial Modeling World Cup, got the full ESPN treatment, with graphics and super enthusiastic commentators leading to a whole new boost of publicity from people posting clips on social media. But competitive spreadsheeting has been around for a while. I first heard about it during an old episode on the history of spreadsheets from NPR's Planet Money podcast. That episode spoke to the winner of Model Off in 2014. Diarmid Early. Model Off, also known as the Financial Modeling World Championships, seems to be distinct from the Financial Modeling World Cup organization that put on the all-star battle on ESPN Ocho. The Financial Modeling World Cup first kicked off in 2020. Last year, it was coincidentally won by Diarmid Early, the same guy who won Model Off the year that NPR covered it. Here's how the Financial Modeling World Cup explains XL Esports, quote, We create game tasks in XL and showcase the players on live streams. No finance, just XL and logical thinking skills. Use IFS, XLOOKUP, SUM, VBA, Power Query, anything is allowed and the strategy is up to you. Some events are invitational, some are open for everyone to participate in. All battles are live streamed and can be spectated on our YouTube channel. 
End quote. So if you missed out on the Ocho, never fear, there is a whole digital world of XL Esports content to consume. I would also highly recommend that old Planet Money episode. They dig into how spreadsheet software really changed the world, especially the finance world, but also how common things like personal data tracking have become, and how much easier and therefore more common it is to entertain what-if ideas. What-if ideas like, what if we turned our professional shortcuts into an international competition, and what if the biggest sports network turned a joke from an 18-year-old comedy movie into a real event? You know, we don't often think about spreadsheets as places of possibility and imagination, but thanks to their efficient power to make and remake ideas and outcomes instantaneously, they really kind of are. And nothing reminds you of that more than watching highlights from the XL Esports All-Star Battle on ESPN8, The Ocho. The Rappahannock tribe has reacquired over 465 acres of their ancestral land at Phones Cliff in Virginia. Rappahannock tribe chief Ann Richardson said in a statement, quote, We have worked for many years to restore this sacred place to the tribe. With eagles being prayer messengers, this area where they gather has always been a place of natural, cultural, and spiritual importance. End quote. Phonescliff is home to one of the largest nesting populations of bald eagles on the Atlantic coast. Richardson also noted that her people had been on the river for 11,000 years, and that this move is particularly important to them because of the bones of their ancestors on the land. Quoting CNN, Phones Cliff is the ancestral home of the tribe, located on the eastern side of the Rappahannock River in Virginia. The area, located inside the Rappahannock River Valley National Wildlife Refuge, will be publicly accessible and placed in trust with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The tribe plans to educate the public about their history by constructing a replica 16th century village and expand their Return to the River program, which trains tribal youth in traditional river knowledge and practices. The cliffs play a central part in the history of the tribe. In 1608, the tribe first encountered and defended their homeland against English settler Captain John Smith, who played an important role in the first permanent English settlement in America at Jamestown, Virginia. In the 1660s, the tribe began to be forcefully displaced from their homeland on the Rappahannock River by the English, according to the Chesapeake Conservancy." End quote. And from the Washington Post, quote, The tribe has a small community center nearby, but otherwise no territory of its own. Federally recognized in 2018, the Rappahannock now number about 300, but once dominated the fertile land along this stretch of river. The earliest English settlers, preoccupied with the Powhatan Indians to the south along the James and York Rivers, initially respected the Rappahannock territory, but starting in the 1640s, settlers drove the native population away and secured their land for plantations. By the early 20th century, the eugenics movement and the Racial Integrity Act of 1924 aimed to eliminate the entire classification of Native Americans, declaring that every resident had to be either black or white. Like other Virginia tribes, the Rappahannock struggled to maintain their cultural identity for generations. End quote. Various incarnations of the Land Back movement have existed since land was first taken away from tribes centuries ago, but this latest version has been growing in recent years. 
In 2019, Dulawat Island off the northern coast of California was returned to the Wiat tribe. In 2020, 1,200 acres of ancestral land was reacquired by the Esalen tribe, also in northern California, and 500 acres of redwood forests in California were returned to a group of several tribes. But this is one of the first reacquisitions on the East Coast, and the Washington Post notes that this particular arrangement is significant due to the extensive partnership between the tribe, private groups, and the federal government. The private groups include the Chesapeake Conservancy, as well as a local benefactor and pediatrician who was put in touch with the Conservancy through Dave Matthews, of all people. Funding to purchase the land was also provided by the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, whose funding came from Walmart's Acres for America program. So, weirdly, we can thank both Dave Matthews and Walmart, in small part, for this historic move. As the Post explains, quote, the Chesapeake Conservancy gave a permanent easement to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and donated the title to the land to the Rappahannock tribe, which will place it in trust with the Bureau of Indian Affairs, end quote. The reacquisition was announced by U.S. Interior Secretary and notably first Native American to serve in a presidential cabinet, Deb Holland, who said in a statement, quote, The department is honored to join the Rappahannock tribe in co-stewardship of this portion of their ancestral homeland. We look forward to drawing upon tribal expertise and indigenous knowledge in helping manage the area's wildlife and habitat. This historic reacquisition underscores how tribes, private landowners, and other stakeholders all play a central role in this administration's work to ensure our conservation efforts are locally led and support communities' health and well-being. End quote. Jamie Williams, chief executive of the Wilderness Society, said, quote, Today really does mark a new direction for conservation, here and nationally, one that acknowledges and corrects this nation's tragic history of injustices towards Native Americans. End quote. Well, one step in the right direction towards correction, anyways. Remember when the very first image from the James Webb Space Telescope was published and people online posted a ton of memes pretending that other things, like galaxy print carpet from the 90s, were actually the image? It was good meme fodder for a few days. But when you're actually a well-known scientist with tens of thousands of followers, you've got to be careful about how you phrase any memes that you might post. That is something that Etienne Klein learned the hard way at the end of July when he posted a photo on Twitter which he described as an image of Proxima Centauri taken by the JWST, writing in French, This level of detail, a new world is revealed every day. The director of research at France's Atomic Energy Commission later revealed that the photo was a fake. It wasn't an image taken by the JWST or of space at all. It was a picture of a slice of chorizo on a black background. Klein seemed to think that more people would have recognized the Spanish sausage in the image and not have fallen for his prank but rather been in on the joke, but thousands of retweets quickly revealed that many people had fallen for it hook, line, and sinker. The image, after all, is... Obviously sausage once you know, but when you don't know, and you've been seeing all of these mind-blowing, but if you're not an astronomer, kind of confusing and ambiguous photos of space recently, why shouldn't you believe this is an image from space? Especially if a prominent scientist is saying that it is. 
After owning up to the joke, Klein tweeted that we should all be wary of arguments from people in positions of authority, but many seem to think that maybe he should be taking his own advice. Like, he makes an excellent point, but was perhaps short-sighted in the execution of his joke and how readily his audience would believe him. You know, sometimes when you're in a position of authority, rather than trying to make a point by fooling and taking advantage of your followers, it's better to take the transparent route and give them a look at how the sausage is made. A new group of spiders containing over a hundred different species has been named after David Bowie. Like many other celebrity-named animals, the name was picked in hopes of raising a bit of awareness for the creatures. In this case, these spiders' rainforest homes are threatened by the warming planet and deforestation, and the spiders themselves are also being harvested as exotic pets. But a unique feature of this particular naming is that it's not just one animal getting a famous name. Over a hundred spiders have been named after the musician, with 55 entirely new species being named after his back catalog. Quoting the Natural History Museum, Species from the most northerly areas where the Bowie spiders live, such as Nepal, are named after songs from earlier in the musician's career, such as Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, and B Major Tom. Those from the central range represent songs from later in his career, such as B Let's Dance and B Magic Dance. While those from the most southerly areas, such as Papua New Guinea, are named after more recent songs, such as B. Black Star. End quote. Dr. Peter Yeager, who named them, also included B. Hunky Dory, B. Aladdin Sane, B. Major Tom, B. Diamond Dogs, B. Be My Wife, B. Rebel Rebel, B. Cat People, and much more. Quoting further from the Natural History Museum, the Bowie spiders are part of a family known as Tinidae, or wandering spiders, which mostly live in the tropics. They get their name from their behavior, foregoing a web in favor of prowling forests for prey, such as insects, reptiles, and frogs. One of the largest genera of these spiders are Tinus, which contains over 200 species. These spiders are widely distributed across the world, but the features which set them apart are not readily apparent. Peter describes the genus as a wastebasket taxon, which is a term used by taxonomists to describe groups made up of species that don't easily fit anywhere else. These rebel taxa can sometimes be historical artifacts, describing groups of species that scientists in the past recognized for their similar appearance, but through the advance of genetics have more recently been shown to be distant relatives. While investigating Tinus spiders, Peter found a number of oddities among Asian and Australasian members of the group that appeared to separate them from species in other areas of the world. Based on their unique features, he believes there's enough evidence to name the new genus. End quote. Thus, some spiders have been reclassified from Tinus, and others have been described for the first time. And such is the rise of B. Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from, well, Earth. Well, this fall, General Mills is bringing back all four of their monster cereals, first introduced in 1971, Fruit Brute, Booberry, Frankenberry, and Count Chocula, leading me to ask, 
when did they go away? <laughs> I guess it tells you how much time I spend in the cereal aisle, but I really thought at least Count Chocula and maybe Booberry were still around. Now, it does turn out that Count Chocula was last sold regularly in 2009, which to me kind of feels like yesterday, uh, but Fruit Brute hasn't been sold since 1982. The cereals do, however, occasionally come back in various forms around Halloween. Last year, General Mills mixed them all together in a retro-packaged box called Monster Mash. But now, you'll be able to get each one on its own, along with a limited-edition toy that you have to redeem via code, not just pour out of the box like the good old days, anywhere cereal is regularly sold. In other news, ahead of the Artemis 1 launch in just a few weeks, NASA is asking people to send them their moon snaps using the tag NASA Moon Snap to help them drum up excitement for the launch of the new lunar program. Basically, any kind of content you make involving the moon, NASA wants to see it. Music, photos of the moon, moon nail art, moon-inspired makeup tutorials, moon latte art, probably not a pic of you mooning the camera, but as Jack Black said in the official promo video for the campaign, if it's got a moon on it, send it in. And let's be real, if anyone were to interpret the prompt that way, it's him. I actually love that Jack Black is the one promoting this campaign. Yes, he stars in the new Netflix cartoon Apollo 10 and a half, but it's just generally cool seeing him get involved with NASA stuff, especially the return to the moon, since his mom, Judith Love Cohen, actually worked on the Apollo program. She was actively working on it the day that he was born. If you want more on that, I'll put a link in the show notes to an old episode I did about how cool she was. But that's going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.